Here's another inspiring message from Northside Community Church, Sydney. Well, as many of you know, I'm a kid of the 80s and 90s, so music was always such a big part of our life during that era. It was the golden era of music, by the way, 80s and 90s, amen? (laughs) Best music. Uh, And a song that was a smash hit, during that 90s era is one that I always find interesting because do you find that with songs that they always have a tendency to point to something bigger, something beyond ourselves, even if the artist is not especially a person of faith necessarily. And one of the great songs of the 90s went like this. It said, if God had a name, what would it be? And would you call it to his face? And if you were faced with him in all his glory, what would you ask if you had just one question? And then the chorus went, of course, what if God was one of us, just a slob like one of us, just a stranger on the bus trying to make his way home? Anyone remember that song from the 90s? Hey, smash hit from Joan Osborne. What I love about songs is they connect us to the deeper questions that we have in life, the, the tensions, the yearnings that we feel. And when I see lyrics like that from someone, I think they are lyrics that... I'm touched to the heart of the big question for all of us. I think when we think of the concept of God, whether you're a person of faith or not this morning, in fact, if you're not a person of faith, you wouldn't be alone here checking out Christianity, uh, it still can speak to you and it, it, it asks your question, your question that I think Jonah Osborne's asking is, God, are you there? Are you even interested? Do you even see me? Now, if you're thinking that, you wouldn't be the first person throughout history to be thinking that. Because there was one of Jesus' first followers, Philip, in a situation where life is not going pretty well. Uh, The disciples are all together in an upper room. Life around them is starting to go crazy. People are after them. Jesus starts rambling in all of this nonsense, starts talking all of these big spiritual talks. And Philip is the sort of guy I can relate to. Philip just calls it how it is. And Jesus is rambling on about all this spiritual stuff that I'm going away and I will send the Spirit. And and Philip kind of can't comprehend. And so he just says what I think any Aussie in that situation would would say, right? Philip says, look, Jesus, if you could just show us God, then that will be enough for us. Isn't that just getting to the point? (laughs) Haven't you thought that sometimes? Haven't you ever been in those situations in your life where... Uh, You're going through a challenge, maybe you're going through a health crisis, maybe you're feeling worried about the future, maybe you're not sure about what the next step is, and and I'm sure, is it just me, but have you had those moments where I I once, as as a kid, just prayed desperately that Jesus would show up at the end of my bed? Has anyone ever prayed that prayer? Like, I've I've been to church and I've, I've got faith, but... Jesus, if you could, and you'd pray like this, like I would pray and I would close my eyes really tight because if you close your eyes really tight as a Christian, that means it's a really good prayer. And, and And then I would say to him in my prayer, I'd like, Jesus, okay, I'm three, okay? I'll just open them a little bit. One, two, three. And I kind of figure if you sit the end of the bed, that would be enough. I have you felt that that if you could have that experience of God, I think corporately pray, we pray that as a church. I pray that as a church. 
I'm kind of like, God, am I going to turn up one Sunday and we're all here and we've got our coffee cups and we've been at the automatic tea machine out the foyer and we just kind of moseyed in. We've still got a bit of sleep in our eyes. But Lord, can you like just come down from the ceiling and like shake the foundations of this building and we will all be fine for the rest of life, right? Wouldn't you agree if we had that type of experience of God? Just, just show us God and I'll be right. And so I think the challenge is, Philip's question, to show us the Father and that would be enough for us, is it's our question and we yearn for that. It's Joan Osborne's question. And so as a result, the challenge is, we then, because of that question, we go looking for God in all of the wrong places. If He hasn't shown up at the end of the bed in the prayer, if He hasn't shown up in that desperate moment, then we go looking for God in all of these wrong places. You know, one of the first obvious ones is that we go and we look for God in our circumstances. <laughs> have you noticed with, um, have you noticed this, even if you're not a Christian? Have you noticed how Christians talk like this? You know, good things happen in a Christian's life and they go, that was such a God thing. Have you heard Christians talk like that? Non-Christians, yeah? That, that was, or, or we say things like, God was so in that. Uh, or, or, or God, that was a God moment. And, and if you're not a person of faith, you're thinking like, I've heard of God and I've heard of things, but I don't know what a God thing is, right? <laughs> and we, we talk like this, which look, don't for a second, please, church, don't for a second think that I don't think that God is in our circumstances. Of course, God is in our circumstances. But the challenge is when, when we begin to label these experiences that we have of God in our circumstances in that way, then we can be at risk of living this type of logic, that if life is good, God is good. Ever seen Christians that live like that? And then on the other hand, if life's bad, then God's bad. And what we fail to realise in the middle is, I don't know about you, but I'm really hopeless at interpreting my circumstances. I, I'm, I can't even kind of interpret what Kristen is trying to say to me certain times during the week, right? Let alone God's movement of activity in my life. So we're horrible at interpreting our circumstances. And more often than not, and parents, you know this, like when you send your kids to the room because they've been incredibly dis disobedient, their life is over. But for you, this is part of a formation process. And so what is horrible to them is good to you because it's good for them. And so in our life circumstances, who's to say that God's not at work when life is bad? I've seen people, you know, I've been praying for a new boyfriend and I found someone, oh, God's good, and then they break up with them. Oh, God's bad, God's not in my life anymore. Or I pray for a business deal and it looks like it's happening, God's good, praise God, and then it falls over, God's not in this anymore, right? Circumstances are a bad place to look for God. The others are our religious traditions, and of course we look to our religious traditions. Joan Osborne looked to her religious traditions. You know, she grew up in a Catholic church, probably why she wrote that song. You know that she wanted to be a priest until she got told by the church that you can't do that. Women can't be priests. Women can't be ambassadors for God. And so she walked away from the church. So you, certain traditions get told, it's do this, don't do that. You know, if you grew up in Anglican church like me, you're at risk of, of thinking that your version of the truth is the version of the truth and we're defenders of the truth. The other end of the spectrum, you know, churches of Christ, our denomination looked like we could almost be too liberal. Oh, it doesn't matter what you think, you know, it's, it's just... 
All of these different religious traditions that we look to, I've sat in Bible studies where we study Matthew chapter 5 and the Beatitudes, you know, um, blessed are you (laughs) who are suffering and persecuted on account of me. And I've heard people go around the the group, what does this mean? What do you think Jesus is saying? And people literally said, well, I was raised a Presbyterian, so I think that Jesus is saying this. Someone said, I'm raised an Anglican, so I believe that Jesus... (laughs) We look to our religious traditions to try and define God, but that's not a good place to look. Uh, Then we look to within. We look to our feelings. We look to, uh, you know, Christians, the way that we justify our feelings is we say it's a leading of the Spirit. And again, I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit can't move, but I can tell you as a pastor, the amount of times that people have thought, well, I shouldn't do this. It just doesn't feel right. God can't be in this. Of course, it doesn't feel right. It's just discipline. It's just having to do things the way that it should be done. It doesn't mean that God is not in us. And if we look to within, then there's no externals to us. And the problem with within is that there's no one outside yourself to be an authority. And so effectively, you become God. So you get what I'm saying? Like, we look to God in all of the wrong places, you know, and, and there's bits of God in that. Like, I like to, you know, I kind of say these things are like the aftershave of God. Like, He's in it, but there's still a hint of B.O. <laughs> and whether you're a person of faith or not, I know, I know that you know that, that God, God is in this, but that is not... They're, they're kind of God, but they're not... God. They all hint to God, but they're not God. And so, we're we're looking for for God, and so we've got to come back to Philip's question, just show me the Father and I will be okay. And, and And there we have now one of the answers for the reason for the season. The reason for the season. And we think, you know, the reason for the season of Jesus is Jesus, of course. You know, I love that mentality. I certainly like that perspective that we get, certainly when you're at Macquarie Shopping Centre and the traffic is nuts and you are descending into all sorts of crazy, violent behaviours in order to find the best, best sale at the shops. I'm not saying that Steph did that, but... <laughs> of course, Jesus is the reason for season, but what does that mean? We said last week, you know, we are the reason for the season, you know, that if we're willing to push ourselves, we are such a mess that we needed Christmas... And this morning we see that one of the, another reason for the season is that God wanted to show us who He is. He wanted to demonstrate through Jesus what He is like. Thomas says to Jesus, Lord, don't you know where you're going? So how can we know the way? And Jesus answered, in famous verse alert, He says, I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes to the Father except by me. And then here it is. This is why it comes amongst us. Verse 7. If you really know me, you'll know my Father as well. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. It's a huge statement that Jesus says there. You want to know what God is like? Watch me. You want to hear what God is like? Listen to me. You want to see what God is like? See me says Jesus. They don't get it, we won't either. And this is staggering, verse 80, Then Philip then says that question, show us the Father and that will be enough then. And then Jesus says, you want to know what God is like? 
look at me. And I think that begs the question for us, you know, if we could just see what God wants, would that, would that be enough for us? If we just open the eyes and He was at the end of the bed, would that be enough for us? And it's staggering what this passage is saying to us. Jesus answers, don't you know, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time, anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. <laughs> oh, God. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I don't speak on my own authority. Rather, it is God Himself living in me, doing His work. And so here's what we see here in this passage. Jesus didn't claim to have the best explanation for God. Jesus is the best explanation of God. He claimed to be the best explanation of God, which is really important. We have to, we have to get this, right? Because teachers and preachers like me, we've all got explanations. That's kind of what we get paid to do. I get paid to make explanations of passages like this. You know, and it's very important that you understand that it's an explanation, but it's not the best explanation of God. Jesus is the best explanation of God. We've got explanations. In fact, you know, for us as pastors, you know, isn't that how we grow our socials these days? You know, if we, if we have a really snazzy explanation, then, then I, I, you know, I can put that on a reel. You know, I've, I kind of got a need to, I need to stand here so it's like vertical on the camera and you can put the cute little quote up here that I've got and if I've got the series of the best explanations, then that's really good ministry. <laughs> and so I want to be really clear this morning and you've heard me say this once before, church. I'm just the mail boy. My explanations are just an explanation and unfortunately for you, they're often tinged with 80s quotes and all sorts of dad jokes. So luckily for you, they're an explanation. They're not the explanation. And I don't want you to ever mistake. A part of this job of the explanations is to point you to Jesus and to His explanation of God. Watch me, He says. Look at me, He says. That will give you the best explanation of God. Which, interestingly, as we think about uh, Joan's question, what if God was one of us, you know, a slob on the bus, just trying to make his way home. Um, why the incarnation? Or as, or as I kind of like to think in spiritual terms, why the dad bod? Have you thought of Christmas like that? That's what the incarnation is. You know, what was Jesus? He was the father in bodily form. It was a dad bod. You know, Jesus and God were the first ones to come up with a dad bod, which I heard is really in these days, <laughs> right? It's, the, it's, it's cool, trust me, boys. The old dad bod. Why God in a bod? Why God in a body? Why, why would God come to a time in history as well? Have you thought about this? Why would He come to a time in history where even the best technology and conditions of that life paralleled the worst possible conditions that we have in this? Like, why not come in 2023 if you're God? Like, why go in an era where, like, there's not plumbing and there's... Have you thought about this? Oh, what, a, what a humble serving God that He would come during that time. You know, absence of lattes. Oh, it's just, what a God that we serve. Why the dad, but why, why, would, he, why would He come like that? And I think the, the Christian answer to that, whether you hear all the time, is that, oh, well, Jesus came to die for you. Which is absolutely 
true, but that's, that's kind of like being sent to the principal's office and told, well, your dad's just here to pick you up. Just short, well, why is dad here to pick me up? And he's just here to pick you up. Like, it, short, it shortcuts the whole question, you know? If it was just to die for you, Christian philosopher Dallas Willard says this, if Jesus came just to die for you, then why not just sacrifice him at birth? Pretty horrible thought, but, you know, if it's all about the blood, as we Christians say, but of course, you know, the toning sacrifice of Jesus, just, you know, take him up and get it sorted quick smart. So it can't be that he just came to die for us, of course he did, to wash away our sin and give us the assurance that we can be right with God. There's got to be something deeper than that. Here's what I think it is. Jesus didn't come just to die for you. He wants to live through you. John chapter 10, Jesus says, I've come to give you life and life to the full. We're always saying here, I said it to my kids the other Sunday as we were driving home in the car, we're all asking him, you know what, why do you follow Jesus? And little Chelsea said to me, oh, because he's kind. I always say to my kids, well, we follow Jesus because he makes life better and he'll make you better at life. And some of you I know, because we've had the conversations in this room, is that this following, this version of Christianity is not one about do's or don'ts, our religious traditions or what we feel God is doing in our life. This version of Christianity says Jesus has come to lead you into the best version of yourself because Jesus in the dad bod understands humanity and wants to lead you into that version of your life. That following Jesus and obeying His commands and disciplining yourself to the way that Jesus calls you to live is not in order to gain your acceptance with God in heaven or to do the right thing or to perform your tradition, but rather it's to open you up to the best way that a human being is meant to live. Quick case study, right? Look, choice for you this morning, you could just live in bitterness and unforgiveness for the next 30 years. That's one option. (laughs) Or you can choose to forgive don't have to. You don't have to do any of that in order to get yourself to heaven. But there's a better version of life and there's a better version of your life that Jesus wants to lead you into. Why the dad bod? Why God in a bod? There are things about God that we would never have known with certainty had Jesus not revealed to them. How many times have you and I looked at different situations in life and, and we've, have you guys ever worn the wristband once? You ever heard of this phrase, WWJD. Remember the wristbands? Remember that was really cool? Did some of your older members have that back in the day too? How new is WWJD? That's been around Joycey for a while? Yep. Well, there we go. Hey? It's been around since the 1970s. <laughs> um. We constantly ask the question, I wonder what God would do in my situation. I wonder, God, if you would just show up and show me the way, I wonder, I wonder how you would go. I wonder if God would ever know what it's like to feel anxious. I wonder if God would ever know what it's like to feel, be fearful. There are moments in his life where he sweat blood because he was so worried about his future. I wonder if God knows what it's like to be lonely. In John chapter 6, you know, Jesus is there and a hundred of his disciples have all deserted him and he turns to his last remnant and says, do you want to leave me too? Jesus knows what loneliness feels like. God knows what loneliness feels like. (laughs) I wonder if God knows what it's like to be under attack politically at work and everyone's trying to outsmart me and 
And God pulls out a, a coin from his back pocket and he says, whose head's on this coin? You know, give to Caesar what is Caesar's and give to God what is God's. There is every life example that you face, that you can see God to His face in the person of Jesus. And that would not have been revealed to us had we not seen this in His bodily form. Why the dad bod? Why the God bod? Here's the last one, and I think this is the most vital for all of us. I think it's because we need more than just a feeling of God or an interpretation of of our circumstances to hang our hopes on when we suffer. I just think it's totally inadequate to get a pat on the back when you've lost someone, to say that God is with you and He's some transcendent cloud in the sky. It's totally inadequate when you're suffering or you're down to your last thousand bucks in the bank account, you're not sure what you're supposed to do to just say, well, the God is with you. And at the deepest level, you know, I, I know when I lost my mum at age 23, I find no more comfort than that scene at the back end of John's Gospel, where despondent in their grief, the disciples are roasting some fish on the sand and there's a guy out on the boat and that absolute aha moment they have when they go, it's, it's him back from the dead. And in the most beautiful of circumstances, it's not like there's clouds and angels and trumpets of glory. They just have dinner together again. For me, there's hope for all of us that when we lose the people that we love, that what we look forward to is not just some compensation to say, you've lost them and it's okay, at least you get to go to heaven. But I can't wait for the day when I'm just going to have dinner with mum again. And it's not, it's not going to be fish on the sand, it'll be um, sausages, mashed potato and peas, because that's my favourite meal and that's what she loved to cook for me. And that's what I'll be doing in heaven. Having sausages, mashed potato and peas with mum. God demonstrated that this life is not all there is. He demonstrated it's the, the perfect and the best way to live the human life through Jesus Christ, but in not only His life, but His death and then His resurrection says, there is more to hang your hopes on than this life that we have ahead of us. And so you've got a question this morning. You've got questions for God. And you know what, if we were trying to answer them with our explanations up here, one of the greatest risks that we'll have is like the church has done time and time again, probably through no fault of their own, sometimes because of their, their fault. But if you are the sort of person with the pesky questions, please keep asking them. And please don't just take my explanations for how these questions of yours are going to be answered. Instead, I want to point you to God in the dad bod. And I want to point you to the one who has lived the versions and the context of the questions that you have for him. And so this morning, I'm simply not going to give you an explanation. I'm going to give you homework, okay? It's Christmas time. It's like you've got nothing else to do. <laughs> but I want you to go and to open up your Bibles. And as Steph said, she's already put every single one of you in it this morning. You've got no excuse. Uh, because Steph has said it's so easy with tech, isn't it? 
you go to biblegateway.org these days, I think, or just type in the Bible into Google and it will give... Is that the one, Bill? Biblegateway.org. If you don't have a Bible, there's one on the internet. Now, here's what I want you to do. I want you to go to the book of John. Look up the Bible and the context in that and just spend a week flicking through the story of this person, Jesus. And I want you to ask yourself this question. What do I learn about the Father from the Son? How does He react to opposition? How does He react to political scheming? How does He deal with anxiety? How does He deal with loneliness and rejection? How does He deal with pain and hurt? How does He extend forgiveness? And my humble and exciting belief is that the question that you are asking of God, you'll find it there. You'll find it there. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the fact that you revealed yourself to us. To the fact that the answers to some of these questions has been sitting under our noses for so long, mine included. There are some of us here that have a book on a shelf, on a coffee table, collecting dust next to a devotional chair. On the, on the other side of it, Father God, there are some of us here this morning that are asking deep questions, that are facing deep concerns, that have real emotion and anxieties and fears, that are praising you for the way that you're working in their life. Father, I pray that through your Holy Spirit, which you gave to us, Jesus, you said it's his job to take what is yours, Lord Jesus, and make it known to us. And so I pray that in these coming weeks, Whatever time is right for whoever is led by you into this place and this context to learn from you. Father, I pray for each and every one of us. Would you speak to us through those pages? Would you speak to us through those words? Would you speak to us through your word? May we see you afresh, God, through you, Lord Jesus. I commit each of us to you. Well, thanks for tuning in. If you'd like to find out more about Northside, visit northsidechurch.org.au.